haven't encouraged you in this for a while, but you know, you all have Bibles with you always on your phone. So if you, if you want to, you can pull up a Bible app or just Google John chapter 6. We're starting with the first verse. I think it's going to be up on the screen as well, but you know, just remember, you, you've always got it there and you probably, you might have a different translation than I do and that is absolutely fine. The breadth and depth of translations is, can be really helpful. I always encourage you and encourage myself to read more than one translation just because they come at it a little differently sometimes or a Greek word, you know, sometimes just it has multiple ways that it can be translated and so it can give you some nuanced meaning or just take you to a different level of depth. So this is from John chapter 6 starting with the first verse. After this, let's stop right there. After what? (laughs) It drives me crazy when we sometimes pull these scriptures. After what? Well, Jesus had been in Jerusalem. He'd been teaching. He'd been healing. He'd been doing all these things. And the leaders had been getting a little riled up with Jesus. Imagine that. I think Jesus maybe sensed that there might be a movement to hurt him, to kill him, whatever. And so he leaves Jerusalem. And so just remember that Jerusalem is about, I think it's 75-ish miles from Nazareth, where Jesus, you know, basically was raised, and, and so it's probably 70 miles, and maybe not 70 miles, I'm, I can't remember how big the Galilee is, the Galilee, think about the Galilee as a big agricultural area, it's still very much a big agricultural area in Israel, in the northern part of Israel, and borders the Sea of Galilee, and, and all of that. So Jesus goes up that direction. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. Now this is interesting to note because it was known as the Sea of Galilee because it was the Sea of Galilee, but it's also called the Sea of Tiberias because of the political implications. In Israel, anywhere you drive now, everywhere you go, there are sometimes three different translations. There's English, there's Greek, and what's the other one? Arabic. Sometimes Hebrew, not as, not as often. So just know that there's multiple meanings to every place in Israel, even back then. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing with the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now remember, when they cross across the Sea of Galilee, they're now in Gentile territory. They've left the land of the Jews. They're now in Gentile territory, but people followed him. Jews followed him over into this Gentile territory. He sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. Note, Jesus is not in Jerusalem here for the festival of the Passover. I don't think I ever realized that was part of this story. Jesus was a faithful Jew, And apparently, as a wandering itinerant rabbi, he had the means or the ability to be able to go to Jerusalem for the Passover. Not everybody did. Right? Just think about it. Like, if you grew up in a family that had one of these yearly family reunions, you know, and it was somewhere, and then people started moving away, maybe a particular part of the family wasn't as established in their economics 
as, as other parts, so they couldn't go that year. There were a lot of people like this. They couldn't travel. They couldn't take time off from whatever they were doing to go to the, for the Passover, even though they were faithful Jews. So there with Jesus near the Passover. And what's the Passover about? It's about being set free, but then the Passover is about the whole journey and about God feeding them in the wilderness and all of that. So just don't ever forget. I mean, that is a, it, when they say the Passover, they mean the whole kit and caboodle of the Exodus. When Jesus looked up, he saw a large crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? John, the writer, of course, says, oh, well, he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Because, of course, we can read the mind of Jesus. Uh, Just note, Philip answered him, six months' wages would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, who was Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they among so many people? Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there's a great deal of grass in the place, and so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled 12 baskets. Twelve. Twelve tribes of Israel. Okay. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. When Jesus realized they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, he withdrew again to the mountain by himself. And then when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into a boat, and started to cross across the sea to Capernaum, back across into Jewish territory. It was now dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them. When they had rowed about three or four miles... They saw Jesus walking on the sea and coming near the boat, and they were terrified. But he said to them, It is I, or I am. Do not be afraid. Then they wanted to take him into the boat, and immediately the boat reached the land toward which they were going. Here ends the reading. I want to make one last note about the reading. When Jesus says, it is I, or I am, in the, in the Greek, it's ego a me, which I always remembered like as let go my ego when I was trying to study Greek. Ego a me, which is, which is I am, literally, it's I am. It can be translated, it is I, but I am. Where else in the scripture do you get, not New Testament, Old Testament, where do you get I am? The burning bush, right? Moses says, who the heck are you? I am. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. I am the way, the truth, the life. I am. Anytime a Jewish person would hear, I am, it calls to mind Almighty God, the one who they would not name. 
but only as I am. It's a great temptation of our time. Social media has made it, and it seems like, even much easier for us to do it. To be somebody. We have always, from the very beginning, I think our basic underlying brokenness is really about wanting to have our own little fiefdoms, wanting to have control of our environment. I mean, I'm sure you've never been sitting around with friends having a political discussion, a discussion about, you know, an organization you're involved with or your work or your church and have said, well, you know, if I ran the world... Because we just believe that we've got better ideas than anybody else who's running the world at the current point in time, right? Nod your head, because I know all of you have done this. Yes. At least once. A day. It's the temptation to want to be king or queen or ruler. To want to be master of, of things. But Jesus resists this temptation. It says here that the people, because he's, I mean, we call these miracle stories, right? Jesus walks on water. Even though over, over the years of biblical interpretation, people have tried to say, well, you know, the word there, that's the preposition. It could be, it could be by the water. He came to them by the water not on the water. People often talk about the feeding of the 5,000, sort of how I talked about in the children's message, that, oh, people probably had food, they just weren't sharing it, and, and this, this thing that Jesus does, you know, gives them permission to share, in a sense, and so it's about abundance. And yes, it is. I think, it's, I think that's a wonderful way to interpret that story. But it's still, it's, it's a miracle, that you got 5,000 people, if that's indeed the case, to reach into their own bag and share with their neighbor. We have a hard enough time, even today, literally sharing with our literal next-door neighbor. And our literal next-door neighbor has an incredibly hard time receiving the gift that we might give them. We'd rather have control of our own little kingdoms. I can do it myself. If you ever had a niece and nephew, a child? I don't know, when does that come, like? As soon as they can verbalize, (laughs) I can do it myself. And I'd rather do it myself because this is my kingdom, my fiefdom. And I'd rather that you were all just my little minions and I could tell you what to do because it would be better that way. Jesus resists this temptation. And some of the reason why I think we would like to be the king or queen of our own region is because then we would be able to secure ourselves. We would know that there was always enough for us. And in our largesse, we probably think that we would, you know, make it so that others had enough for them too. I mean, just think about this on a, on a scale that I can't even imagine numerically, you know. Like, we had a couple of, what, billionaires this week? 
flex their muscle a little bit. Right? Went up into the, the far reaches. Just because they could. I mean, maybe it advances society. I don't know. I don't want to poo-poo any of that. I mean, in terms of technology or whatever, but... And then, of course, questions were asked, like, what could have been, you know, of course, uh, us armchair kings and queens were like, we're like, hey, hey, you could have used that money to help the poor. We could have solved hunger. We could solve hunger right now, people. I mean, what's interesting about this kind of control and this kind of thing that we have about, about our fear of not having enough and not being enough and wanting to be king because we think that, that that will give us something is that for some people who get there, for some people who become all of that, they realize that they brought themselves with them. That the money, the fame, the power, the position didn't come with self-forgiveness, self-acceptance, and it sure as heck didn't come with anybody else being more forgiving or accepting of them. It came with more scrutiny, more angry people throwing stones, all of that. So we idealize this, and yet we don't know what it's like to have that kind of influence, that kind of power. And so there's this notion of, while I like to poke fun at some of those folks, there, there's also a sense that we as people ought to also have some compassion. <laughs> because I tell you what, if I had the means to do whatever I really wanted to do, I'm not really sure what I might try, to be honest. It might be as crazy as going up into space. Because I could. Because I had that kind of power. But here's what sets Jesus apart. He knows that he is, I am. He is the firstborn of creation. He is king of king and lord of lords. He is God. And yet, as it says in the scripture, he laid all that aside and poured himself out in order to come and be a servant. I mean, do you ever think it crossed Jesus' mind, especially this fully human, fully divine, to say, you know what? I could fix all this. I can fix all this. But that wasn't the king, the kind of king that he was going to be for us. He needed to show us what it was like to lay down that kind of need for control just as he laid down his life so that all people might be invited into a life of abundance of love and grace and mercy and acceptance and forgiveness that encourages everyone to thrive. Perhaps not to have their own little fiefdoms and little kingdoms and and to hoard it away from somebody else, but to be able to know that they are valued and valuable, honored and honorable. 
And so the invitation is to, for us, is to worship the one who wouldn't be king so that we might be set free from trying to build our little kingdoms and live in the one that God has given us to enjoy, the kingdom of God. May you find freedom, forgiveness, acceptance, and love in the Lord of lords and the King of kings, the one who laid down his life for us. Amen.